continuing with our <coughs> with our reflections of the Dharma and the practice of meditation today. Gathering in our experience, our present experience, into this capacity to be mindful, to be aware, to be present. However that experience is. Being patient as we establish moments uh, of just being here, moments of presence. And noticing perhaps the times when we get uh, pulled away, drift off, get dislocated. And gently encouraging when we notice those tendencies, just gently encouraging the re-establishing of our practice of presence. Allowing, through allowing our attention to, to just meet and connect with how it is now, body, breath, sensation, feeling. This notion in a Buddhist way of path is quite a valuable notion, although it can sound like it's a, a path that has a linear direction going from A to B, or even the sense of some entity traveling a path. But in, all, in many ways, it's a, it's a transformative process that allows us to be more fully present in a relationship to our experiences that's illuminated by moments of clarity, moments of awareness, inquiry. This middle part of the path that we've, we're cultivating yesterday and today, this element of samadhi, I'd like to explore that a little more this morning. Often when we do these kind of retreats, we begin to feel the quality of gatheredness as the heart and the mind begins to gather or the feeling of relationship to the body becomes more one of ease perhaps or a little bit more acceptance or softening around body formation, bodily experience. As we simplify and connect with the breath, rhythm and flow of breath, then we can have moments of feeling this uh, sense of <coughs> gatheredness, well-being, uh, moments of peacefulness, of course, that's not necessarily a continual experience. We have things that emerge, um, patterns, habits that emerge from within that can obstruct that sense of calm or well-being or gatheredness. <coughs> but generally speaking, we can have on a retreat moments of that and we can, it can sometimes enable us to uh, feel well, but then can sometimes set up an unfortunate split then with the world of activity. And often when we leave a retreat, we feel sometimes that we've lost that, that sense of peace or that sense of calm or stability. And what we're really talking about is a loss of this feeling of samadhi, 
rather than <coughs> feeling uh, centered or gathered or access to an inner sense of well-being that's not so dependent upon the shift and the changes around us or even the mood of the heart and mind can feel rather irritated by sense consciousness, distracted, overwhelmed, compulsive and as if we're operating on a thinner edge uh, without much resource or much uh, feeling of nourishment. So training in samadhi, although it's a very patient training um, and sometimes we can prematurely give up because our expectation and idealism don't really match (coughs) the reality uh, of how that um, curing of samadhi actually organically gathers the training of it is actually a very valuable uh, asset in our lives not only in the meditation experience like this a formal meditation but also little by little being able to irrigate our daily lives with this gatheredness, moments of attention moments of recollecting literally the Pali word sati, which we often translate as mindfulness, means to remember, to bring back all the parts that have been dismembered, dislocated, disassociated, and gather them back into this uh, awareness, into this presence, into the knowing, into that which is just here, little by little. So, spending a few days, devoting a few days, to this practice is a wholesome <coughs> abiding and developing skill in the same way as if we wanted to learn any other skill, whether it be a skill in music or in arts or in literature or in, uh, in carpentry or in mechanics or computers, then one would spend time perhaps just learning the basics, little by little getting more familiar with the territory. And what's useful in this practice is rather than trying to go into top gear and from cold, from neutral, it's just little by little to gather a bit of strength. Uh, So we could say commit to maybe five minutes of just consciously saying, well, I'll I'll work with the breath, being with breath within body putting aside, putting down temporarily for now the uh, concerns of daily life just for the next few minutes, say. If we say for the next hour, I'm just, I'm not going to think about anything, I'm just going to follow, be with every single breath, gathering all the different sensations, feelings, tones, experiences of body, and then possibly after a few breaths and we get a bit lost and we start thinking about what was happening yesterday, what might happen tomorrow, we can feel uh, a sense of failure or or disappointment and then give up on the whole session and just sort of drift. And so to set ourselves realisable goals, small ones, where we can get a beginning to get a feeling of what it's like to gather around the breathing experience of breathing, perhaps for a few minutes few moments and then just reflecting how does that feel maybe making a point of noticing not just 
the feeling of, oh, I've lost it, or I don't feel great, or you know, to perhaps learn to perceive moments of feeling well, feeling peaceful. Sometimes we have to really uh, highlight those moments because we get so used to being flooded or overwhelmed or fixated on the aspects of our being that don't feel well, that are struggling or that are dull or restless. And we can really just, our whole awareness can wrap itself around one particular feeling and perhaps not notice uh, in the background there may be a sense of spaciousness or at easeness. We just haven't noticed it because it's more subtle. So being committing, it's one aspect of not only patience, but sometimes we can be very ambivalent around commitment to, to our well-being, to simplicity. Uh, we can have this sort of uh, dithering feeling around coming into something like just saying, for this day, we're just working very simply at being with each moment, being with breath, gathering into our awareness the experience of breath and body. Can we commit to that as a conscious intention? Uh, rather than vacillating or seeing, well, it's, it's a good theory, it's a good idea, I'll do it next retreat or I'll do it tomorrow. But I've got lots and lots of things to really think about today that are very important essays to write in my mind, projects to create, problems to solve. And so sometimes we can have this difficulty around trusting that actually it's okay to put those things aside for now and just simply commit ourselves to simplifying, to allowing the world to carry on without us. It will all carry on very well without us, believe it or not. And uh, can we commit to just very simply not having to juggle all the issues and interesting things to think about for the sake of this creating this more conscious or whole relationship to the moments of our experience. Gathering into our awareness, the feeling of body. In the sutras, they talk about body in many different ways uh, that can help us begin to enter this feeling of dispassion that is uh, a prerequisite in some ways to the entering and commitment to engaging with this practice of samadhi. Girisara was uh, talking about quite at length yesterday that this area of dispassion, disenchantment with the things that fascinate us, fascinate us and absorb us and obsess us is perhaps something of a delicate area because it can often be interpreted or we interpret it as a aversion or pushing away or a denial of contact with senses or the momentum of life and activity. Mm. And rather than be, being dispassionate, it can 
it can just actually create another kind of problem of of a feeling of uh, of being uh, in a relationship of of uh, negativity, resistance, aversion. So this passion, in a way, is a more peaceful recognition of what we're actually engaged with. Say, for example, with body. One way that the sutta talks about body is just as rupa, the sense of the appearance of body, the outward appearance of body, and kaya is the other way, which is more the internal impression or experience of body, the more subtle energetic experience of body. And rupa, uh, rupa being this more subtle experience, kaya being more the sense of shape and form, appearance of body and how much complexity there is in the mind around the experience of being embodied, how much perhaps unrealistic relationship we have with, with our bodies, where we don't really see them necessarily as, uh, as something that's a part of the natural world of elements come together, perhaps belonging ultimately to nature and going the way all things go. But we create a a strong sense of self. There's a strong sense of self and identity around the appearance and flow and shifts and changes within the feeling tone and the uh, sense of our body. So one way that the the Buddha uh, begins often in these uh, teachings of moving towards the training of jhana, the training of samadhi, is to help generate this sense of dispassion through a more realistic contemplation of rupa and kaya. Um, as, we, as many of us know, particularly in lay life, where we're subjected to enormous amounts of um, imagery and value judgment about how body should look, the perfect body, that it can can create in our minds uh, a, a, a feeling relationship with our body where there's a sense that our body doesn't quite fit the right image or it's never quite right somehow. And there's a sort of multi-billion dollar industry around our just appearance and how much we um, invest the sense of self in, in the appearance of body. And it's not, you know, not to put down taking care of the appearance or body, but just to get it in a more, perhaps, realistic relationship. And it's nice to, to take care of the body or to take care of appearance, but when we become obsessed by that or compulsive around that, then it's very imprisoning, very entrapping and constricting the sense of self. So being able to, Buddha recommended, seeing beneath perhaps the surface of appearance that we're so often fascinated by, you know, what is beautiful, what isn't, what is the right shape, what isn't, getting things, you know, um, sculpted and tucked and pinched and shorn off and added. (laughs) You know, it's actually become such a dominant theme in our culture where it constantly creates this sense of dis- discontent 
gets projected onto the form that we live with, form of the body. So it's helpful through a meditative eye to actually perhaps look more realistically, uh, as the Buddha suggested, beneath the skin, to look at beneath the appearance. To the, beneath the, the skin, to the flesh, the sinews, the bones, the marrow, the tissue, the blood, internal organs, kidneys, heart, liver, spleen, intestine, bile, fluids, saliva, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth. That if we actually looked at that aspect of the body, then probably it wouldn't be that difficult to feel a little dispassion and to, to, in a way, to lessen the heightened sense of self that is created around appearance. Probably my kidneys look pretty similar to yours. <laughs> it's hard to get that excited about one's intestines. But we can become very, very obsessed about, you know, my eyebrows the right shape or is my nose the right shape? Or, you know, so it's not, you know, and again, some care in picking this up because it's not just to become averse or put down body or put down appearance, but just to have it in a more realistic and dispassionate cooling relationship to help, to help just um, bring, bring the base of viveka, this withdrawal from the worldly way of being um, so... Uh, constricted and confined into these values systems that perhaps disengages from a sense of truer well-being or more profound well-being. Buddha goes even further in the uh, sutta to contemplate not only the body in its internal reality so it's like if you had piles of peas and beans and lentils, you know, just looking at the different aspects of body in that way. Looking at, you know, this is just as it is. A perception of flesh or blood or sinew. And it's more impersonal, isn't it? Not so much kind of personality and strong sense of me, me and my appearance, and, and, and then in relationship to that strong sense of you, and what do you think of my appearance, you like or not, attractive or not, or, and how that dynamic is so pervasive, and, and, uh, and often quite painful really, for, for many of us, quite not an easy area. The Buddha goes on to say, you know, if you want to further that through, to think of the, the body as it begins to age, die and decay, to think of the body on a charnel ground. Of course, in India at the time that the Buddha was practicing, that was perhaps more accessible to, to visit charnel ground and very sobering sight. See a, a body devoid of life force. Just, you know, like a cocoon that's been left behind. And all the, all the intensity and the energy and the investment and the sense of self we have 
around the body and then to see more as a, as a lifeless form. This can be quite a sobering contemplation, perhaps one just to not to dwell in a way to make ourselves frightened or overwhelmed, but just to have it there to touch into gently, briefly, from time to time, just to help this sense of, of disengagement. When we begin to age in our society, there can be a real feeling of uh, something going wrong. Or through death, when the body dies, there's this, there's this uh, societal context that we work within, which is very uh, fearful and alienated from this natural part of the cycle of, of a human body. So in a meditative perspective, we allow the whole cycle to become conscious to us, not just when there's beauty and health and vigor, radiance, but also to see that it's actually looking in this way to see actually this is a part of nature, the body's following its own natural cycle. Aging isn't a personal failure or something to to have to, to try and ward off at all costs. And so for those of us that are beginning to get around the beginning of the aging process or deeply into the aging process, the meditative, reflective perspective uh, can be very helpful, very supportive. Societal perspective can be quite quite upsetting, quite difficult, quite quite painful, this constant message that, you know, that, that there's something wrong with the wrinkles and the graying hair and the, the loss of virility and the loss of power that can come. And it's something we've got to ward off at all costs. And so, too, as a meditator, we begin to actually make these conscious, the kaya, the form of body, to make that more conscious in a more real way as uh, Chukram Trumpa used to say, meditation is the art of becoming more realistic. Not to deny, not to put down, not to say that there isn't you know, value in caring for appearance and for body and for health and for, if we can, to sustain health and length of life and all of those things can have value, but the obsessiveness that we have around that can really undermine <laughs> an ability to find a source of, of nourishment and healthy and wholesome sense of centeredness within the self. And then more subtly, the, the kaya, the, from the kaya, the rupa element, the rupa where when we, when we feel into our body with awareness and attention, we can actually see that body doesn't have necessarily those divisions within it, lungs, heart, spleen. We don't actually feel our body in compartments. We feel it as pressure or as flow, as heat or as cool, liquidity, wind, sensation. 
And so the bringing attention to receive the feeling of body as 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 a rupa, to feel body as something that's uh, fluid, that's got sensation, that's got movement, subtle, or perhaps strong sensation, which we might call pain, feeling of constriction, tightness, or emotion. Often we feel, can have strong feelings, emotional feelings, psychological, emotional construct. Within, within the feeling tone of the body, depression or sadness, elation, excitement. And again, we often interpret the feeling tone as the flow of sensation through uh, as a sense of self. We can feel it can be either from memory or from contact to the senses, strong sense of feeling, nervous, seeing another person, anxious, perverse. And rather than allowing the body as an organism, as a sensitive organism, in a way like a... Uh, that which can, can feel, feels it's like a receptacle. It feels, it senses, senses, the sense base. It feels and, and allowing feeling to, when it enters or when it emerges, either from within our own internal material, flow of our own patterning or from contact, often we interpret feeling in itself in a way that tends to create a lot of reactivity around feeling. Feelings can be quite confusing or a bit messy or a bit unclear or overwhelming to us. And so when we interpret feeling as, as a self, then we clamp down around a, a, an experience of feeling, constrict, judge, or if it's a nice feeling or or, we, or one that we get absorbed into, create a story of feeling goes into proliferation, a whole storyline around this, why this particular feeling is happening now, what did I do in the past, and or who's doing it to me, excuse <laughs> me, so I was mentioning last night, or what karma have I got that this should appear here and now. And so it can get very, very, just the fact that we're actually feeling can become a real complex dynamic. And fraught sometimes with, with uh, this unconscious relationship of grasping and rejection or fear. So we recommend just to feel feeling as that. Just feeling is there, it arises, it emerges. Discharges, sometimes allowing contact, allowing it to discharge through the organism, the body, its function. Um, when we clamp down or interpret it as a self, we sometimes block a flow of feeling, compartmentalize it, become rigid around it. So when feeling is there, being out of bear, okay, so I come up the samadhi element, the samadhi aspect of the past being able to bear with or have equanimity in relationship to. It doesn't mean not feeling. Equanimity is not a cold thing. Bearing with is not a denial. But just being able to feel feeling as feeling as it emerges and washes through the system. Without necessarily making a big story out of it. 
or clamping down onto it. So in this way, our relationship through the practice of sati, mindfulness, moments of sati, moments of sati, remembering, gathering, moments of being here, bringing our attention into the field of body, breath, our present experience is what little by little generates and gathers this uh, quality of samadhi, unification. We're shifting our relationship to the experience of kaya and rupa, internal subtle body, external appearance, form of body, from one, maybe from fascination or obsession or aversion, judgment, complexity, in the meditative path to one of mindfulness, one of sati, of gathering in, of having a more direct relationship to how it actually is, to the actual real experience of kaya and rupa in this moment. using breath to help steady steady our attention. You see, attention follows the thought. Wherever thinking goes and we, we get pulled or get absorbed into feeling or stories or memories. And basing the sense of self on, on shifting perceptions and thoughts and feelings it's a very shaky ground, it can feel very shaky. So, shift into establishing a relationship with a sense of, sense of self, sense of, in a way, a fulcrum to this moment of just being here with attention, with awareness with breath, with what we can actually feel and know in this moment. When we come <clears throat> to working with anapanasati, mindfulness, inhalation and exhalation, or remembering or regathering through being with, with breath within body, he was uh, talking, I think, a very important area that it's not just this sense of watching the breath as if we were somehow put ourselves in an ivory tower and, and experience body and breath from the watcher's point of view. But actually in the, in the Pali um, there's a, a term sub-kaya patisangwedi which means sub Kaya, the whole body, all body, patisang, through complete wadi feeling, feeling with whole body, is a direct translation. Feeling with whole body and breath. So when we, it's, it's a more intimate experience in a way, or a relationship, than say, I'm watching my breath as a system or a method. And we watch our breath. Uh, and we, in the watching of the breath, we lose the subtle connection with actually an intimacy with being with breath as it flows in, 
feeling the gentle ripple expansion, the pressure, the heat, the fluidity, the vibrancy, perhaps the sense of filling through the in-breath as we breathe out, the, the feeling of relaxation, letting go, softening. So today with practicing with Anapanasati, being with body, within feeling, within breath, within awareness, together. Moment by moment, establishing moments of attention within this dynamic of body breathing, bringing, uh, using, as Kisa was saying last night, these jhana factors to help establish and sustain attention. For some of us, we these first two of of bringing attention to the experience of body breathing, and the second one of receiving. Some of us might need to just explore how to bring those two into balance. For some of us, we can be very, have a lot of will. And we direct the vitaka, we can direct our attention, say breath, body. But if we have, if we tend to be quite, uh, have a strong will in life, have, uh, approach life with goals, ambition, where we're going, where we want to get to, and then we bring that into the meditation, something as working quite delicately, quite sensitively with body and breath, and we overlay this quite sensitive organism that we're working with, with this strong sense of willfulness and getting somewhere, then we can generate this kind of, um, you know, quite a, you know, an energetic, almost trauma in the, in the system. We're just just not sensitive to where we're at now. There's just too much sense of wanting to control uh, body, breath, mind to bring it to our goal of somehow this notion sometimes of samadhi where everything is is still and not moving and somehow peaceful but sometimes a little dislocated. So if we have that kind of tendency, we tend to go through life and seeing where we want to get to and we skip over what's happening here, we might need to work on the second factor, which is more the feminine aspect, the, the, the receptive, the receiving, the being able to make a connection, sustain connection with, relationship with what is here. Receiving, what is the actual experience of breath and body as it flutters and vibrates and maybe feels a bit wobbly, maybe a bit tight. Can we sustain connection and feel and receive our experience? So learning to receive more what is here, maybe. On the other hand, for some of us, we're very good at that. We're very good at being spacious, receptive. And uh, and our meditation turns into, rather than having a a bit of sharpness in it, a bit of... um, sustained attention, we tend to just drift. You know, our, our, our receptive capacity is quite strong, but then whatever emerges, different thoughts or worries or feelings, and we just find ourselves just drifting, unable to commit, unable to make 
you know, a, a sense of, you know, of sustained uh, relationship to what's here now in a directed way. So if we're a bit of a floaty type, and uh, we might want to actually create a goal, perhaps a, a very small goal, can I be with five breaths? And count them, breathing in one breath, breathing out, breathing in two breaths, breathing out. Well, what was that? I was, I've got to work that out. <laughs> difficult situation. I better go write that email and you know, work that out and see that person. And I don't know what I'm going to do about. Oh, right, right. Breathing in. Breathing out. But there again, uh, you know, we kind of go on like that. So it's not that there's one way to be. We just have to know ourselves and bring ourselves into balance. If we're too floaty, we might, we might need to work on the vitaka, the bringing the mind to, bringing the attention to, encouraging attention to stay and to come to what is here now, tendency to disassociate, but doing that in ways that are where we can succeed, not making such a big struggle out of it where we feel a failure. Can I be with a few breaths? If we're too willful, too controlling, too ambitious, maybe we need to to learn just to be more patient, softening, using the inhalation and the exhalation to soften the body and the will. Vitaka Vichara, these two very important supports for moments of being here in a way that allows the attention to to be encouraged into this moment. One way of doing that, if we're too will if we're too judgmental, we find we're working today that we kind of gotten a bit lost wandering around then we we command breath, body. In, a, in an aggressive way, we tend to shock the system. We tend to create, you know, this struggle, this sense of uh, judgment and fear, and and then we set the conditions for meditation not being a source of well-being, but being a ground of of struggle. So a very good way when we do find that we've just spent the last 15 minutes wondering what we're going to be doing next week about our livelihood or whatever we think about our relationship dynamics or whatever and we've forgotten to be more connected here then a good a good way of bringing the attention here is just through a question rather than through a command a question like how is it now or where's the breath how how is it what's happening now so this is more sort of a gentle encouragement and opening and an invitation how is it now and, it, and it, in, it, in a way, it uh, undermines that tendency to judge, which is the superego that can so happily sit in judgment as a meditator. On, you're doing it well, you're not doing well, you failed again. <laughs> you're a hopeless case. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing it. Uh, you know, so this, this uh, judging mind, which is, uh, <coughs> never lets us at peace, never allows us to feel any well-being. So just this more gentle, how is it? 
what's happening, where's, where's the breath, where's the body, and how is our experience of breath and body here and now. Today, continuing with our cultivation of samadhi, moments of attention, moment of receiving, feeling with breath and body, gently encouraging the experience of breath and body into our awareness. Learning how to find balance, too intense sensations are too intense, and learning to open the awareness. Kirisara mentioned last night a very helpful method that we don't have to just stay locked into intensity, pain or psychological, emotional dynamic that's really painful. Sometimes we can feel it, you know, we've got to just stay locked in there, pinned, pinned down, and we just can get quite overwhelmed or exhausted. So knowing how to sometimes notice, yes, there's intensity here, a feeling, sensation. And then how to create space around that so that we can negotiate, move in and out of that, to come to listening one way, very soothing, through the listening, faculty of listening to the wind, listening to sound. So it opens opens out the field of awareness from something that may have been where it may have become quite narrow around a particular theme or aspect or sensation into something that's more broad. To listening. Opening the eyes if we're struggling. Just opening the eyes, softening, opening the eyes. Taking a few breaths more consciously, deliberately relaxing and then maybe coming back into the meditative work. So this feeling of being, getting a sense of knowing ourselves, how to move in and out of intensity, how to create space. For the purpose of just generating little by little a base of well-being, of nourishment, of support for our practice of being here now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.